everybody. Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu. My name is Gabe Estel. We're here for episode number 47, and we are excited to deliver it to you. I'm here with my co-hosts, Dennis <laughs> Levi Leach and Jonathan Getz. How's it going, guys? 77 and, and, and balmy. Right on. Right? Good deal. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive right into this sucker. Um, we're going to just go over the agenda here. We've got we're going to lead off with Sturgill Simpson's new single um, recently released. Everybody's pretty excited about his fo- his uh, follow up to his record uh, that was really great from a couple of years ago. And then uh, we're talking about a little bit about Crosby, Stills and Nash, uh, a breakup, perhaps um, it looks that way. And then also we're going to share some of our favorite opening acts uh, in light of some recent news of two classic acts that are going to share a bill uh, here next month in Las Vegas. And then we're going to give you a little bit of a recap of the top 2015 free agents. Now, that's kind of old news at this point, but spring training has started, and you may have forgotten about where folks landed. And that's okay. okay. It's okay to admit that you forgot. Exactly. exactly. I don't know where David Price is. Yeah, right. <laughs> who? Who is he? I think um, he's been in four towns this offseason. Right. So we're going to do kind of a recap, you know, like who were the big people to, to move? Because right now, spring training started. You know, they're starting to show games. I was able to, you know, I got to watch a couple games over the weekend. So that were little bits of them. Uh, so that was nice. And it's, you know, it's fun to see people in new uniforms. So we're just going to do a little recap of the big free agent signings and maybe a couple of the trades as well. And then maybe talk a little bit about some of the guys that are still hanging out there as well on the free agent list. All right. Let's go ahead and begin with um, talking about promising. I don't know if you could call him a newcomer because he has been around for a little while now. A couple but, albums. Yeah. yeah, a couple albums. But his last album from 2014 really generated a lot of buzz as being um, sort of an unorthodox country music record for the 21st century. Um, and when I say unorthodox, meaning that it doesn't sound like Luke Bryan or Florida Georgia <laughs> Line. So um, the artist's name is Sturgill Simpson, and he gets thrown into the outlaw country genre, which I know can kind of be kind of a generic label, but um, that's, you know, if you if you Google the guy and read reviews of his music or interviews with him, you know those that's it's it's a it's an adjective that's going to come up quite a bit. So I wanted to get you guys' take on the new tune as well as maybe just your takes on Sturgill too. Sure, yeah, um, I'll start. I get, I'll start, Levi. Uh, I I uh, was introduced to Sturgill uh, his, his twenty fourteen record Metamodern yep. Sounds of Country Music. And I just really dug both, like you said, his his more rootsy, outlaw country uh, uh, tone, and but incorporating uh, more contemporary production methods and other sounds, almost like classic rock sounds or exactly, or, or yeah. synths, even kind and of a psychedelic sound. Too. Psychedelics, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, and then his attitude is—you could tell it's different uh, than than your average country music because he's had some some legendary posts, I think, on his Facebook page uh, uh, railing against the country establishment. I uh, highly recommend checking those out. And then to hear this new this new tune uh, off of the album uh, Sailor's Guide to Earth that's going to come out in April, this new tune, Brace for Impact. And the, like, the first half of it, I was like, okay, this is cool, you know, it's kind of classic country. And then all of a sudden it just goes into this other space, almost Pink Floyd-like with this yeah. crunching synth and 
and kind of got some uh, blistering guitars in there. And I was like, oh, I didn't really right. start paying attention until that part. I got to be honest. Exactly. Like, like exactly. I'm not saying the first part of the song's bad, but it was it didn't have much of an impact on me. You know? Right. But it showed. It's like okay, he's 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 doing his thing, and then he does that the last two minutes, and it's like oh, he's taking this kind of to another level. So he's taking you know this stuff from the far left and the far right, not apolitically speaking, and uh, he's he's turning it into this this new evolution of of country music. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I I like Sturgill Simpson a lot. Um, I think it's you know I don't always think it's fair to lump them into the outlaw country thing nor is it fair to other artists like shooter jennings or lucas nelson just because that's maybe where you know those guys relatives came from but they can't escape it really yeah yeah and because shooter did this like i don't know what like 2010 or 11 he had a, a he had a record that was like psychedelic country called Wolf, Black Ribbons. Or Black Ribbons, okay. And it's like Stephen King is a narrator on it, and it's about like an apocalypse at the end of the world. Yeah. It's like a it's like a crazy you know, and so it's unfair to label them as that, I think sometimes. Yeah. I just wish that, you know, it you know, back in the sixties or seventies there were definite lines, but they used to call just most of it rock. You know what I mean? It was rock music. Yeah. And yeah. so, so you know, the Flying Burrito Brothers were called a rock band. Yeah. It's yeah. all relative. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I like it. I wish there was more out there like this. Um, you know, hopefully if he can, if, if he can sustain another popularity, you know, growth with another great album, hopefully it can bring more artists that we'll be able to see as well because I like this genre. I think there's mm-hmm. whatever genre people want to call it. I yeah. think there's definitely uh, a space for it. Yeah. It, it, it. Yeah. Let's call it flexible country. And I mean that in a good way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, and he's covering in bloom or Nirvana's in bloom on this new record. So yeah. he's, he's showing that he is flexible and probably on purpose. Yeah. And we keep bringing up shooter, um, you know, or we have just inevitably because, you know, he's he's sort of one of the, I don't know, I guess the newer outlaw um, uh, country musicians. And, um, yeah, it seems like um, this is uh, I, I, I like shooter stuff, but I have to, I'm I'm uh, I, I'm remiss to, to sort of recall a lot of it right now, even though I've heard all of shooters records. You know what I mean? I just I, I not a lot of it stands out to me, whereas the album of Sturgill's that came out in 2014 it, it definitely uh, it definitely made a good impression on me. You know, I uh, I have to admit, I don't listen to country as like much as I used to. Like about 10 years ago, I was really big on the outlaw sound. You know, like I was just like I was discovering all these people. You know what I mean? Like like I didn't really listen to Towns Van Zant like when I was in high school, you know, so so that okay. came along later. And Rodney Crowell and, you know, Steve Young and um, Steve you, you guys. Steve yeah. Earle, you guys know him, yeah, yeah, right. So over the last, like, you know, probably like near the end of college is when I really started listening to all that stuff heavily, and um, and I kind of put it down for a little while. So it's been nice for Sturgill to sort of resurrect some of those sounds, mm-hmm. but also, you know, uh, sort of uh, put his own put his own stamp on it too. Yeah, yeah, and he's so young. I, I think. I mean, I guess I don't know how old he is, but in terms of 
his the, catalog. You, I didn't realize, and I guess it leads to the title of the new record. I can't remember off the top of my head what it is, but it has a nautical reference. A Sailor's Guide was, to Earth. Yeah. Yeah, he was in the guy. Navy. Yeah. For, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I would assume backstory. he's at least in his yeah. mid-20s. Yeah. 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 I, I haven't seen him live yet, but I've I've heard his his band's pretty tight too. I've heard uh, he's got a he's got a pretty good crew with. Yeah, him. I'm excited to finally see him live. Last time he was in town, I, I wasn't able to. I yeah. had prior obligations, but uh, yeah, yeah, I I got a feeling it it'll be it'll be well worth the wait when I finally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Probably was born in 1978. He's 37 years old. Okay. Oh. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely get a, get a ticket. It'll sell. Get a out. ticket. I don't yeah. think those tickets are going to last long. It'll sell out. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a chance to see him this summer too, and I it just it, something it fell through, you know. Like I mean, I Buddy had the ticket. He was playing at the Metro after his Lollapalooza show, so it was like an after. Oh yeah, thing. nice. And uh, just couldn't make it, and uh, I regret it now certainly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. One to watch, as they say. <laughs> CBS Sunday morning. Yes. All right. Um. So going now to guys with also guys with acoustic guitars, um, a little bit older, but um, uh, Crosby, Sills and Nash. There was an article posted in classic on Classic Rock magazine that I shared with Jonathan and Levi um, that talked about, uh, I guess they're breaking up, apparently. But, you know, that band's had a lot of, you know, they've broken up several times. So it's it's kind of just. You know, who I, I take this with a grain of salt, I suppose, um, even though, you know, they had quotes from the members saying that these are amazing quotes, by the way. Yeah, yeah we will have to highlight some of these. Jonathan, I hope you haven't pulled up. Yeah, Somebody. <laughs> I do. I have them ready. So yeah. list 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 one of them here. Or, or uh, one of them so I'll, I'll be I'll be Graham Nash right now. Okay. Uh, quote, but I don't like David Crosby right now. He's been awful to me these last two years. Just fucking awful. I've been there and saved his fucking ass for 45 years, and he treated me like shit. You can't do that to me. You can do it for a day or so until I think you're going to come around. But when it goes on longer and I keep getting nasty emails from him, I'm done. Fuck you. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm going to read those emails. The the main takeaway of this article is David Crosby's an effing prick. And and I would I want to believe it because I've heard other stories in the past, like especially in some of the the days where he was in his heavy heavy partying days oh, yeah. of him just being like a crazy asshole and waving guns around and stuff. And I like the Neil Young quote. Oh, yeah, the David Crosby comment after Neil Young said that he didn't want anything to do with CSN. The David yeah, Crosby, like, Fuck that. well, uh, David right. Crosby says, that's like saying there are mountains in Tibet. We know, Neil, we already knew. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's great. I mean, this has been kind of a contentious crew. I mean, ever for. 45 years right and, and it's just so, it's always surprising because it belies the music itself sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> right absolutely um and i don't i don't know what steven stills thinks i don't think he was quoted in the article but um yeah so you know i have to admit i've i've seen csny on one of the re somewhat recent reunion tours i think 2002 i was gonna say because they've done like three or four of them, mm-hmm. you know, since I saw them around that same time. Yeah. And it was great. You know, I had a lot of fun. Um, um, and, 
CSN seems like they've toured pretty regularly. And that's who I've, I've only seen CSN. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen them without Neil, um, which, you know, I, with all due respect to those guys and, and you know, it's some of the best voices in, in rock and roll, um, you know, there's the excitement factor goes down a little bit for me. Oh, dude, he made the there. show I was at. If yeah. Neil Young wasn't there, the show yeah. would not have been that good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, those guys are getting up there in age, obviously. That's uh, that's one. But, um, you know, the the strength of the material without Neil just isn't there either. Right. You know? um, so I wanted to segue, though, guys, to that to the, the next point. Um, I, I put this in the notes here. Um, you know, outside of CSN. So let's 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 take Neil out of the equation here completely. All right. Because it's just not really a fair competition. Um so CSN, those three guys, outside of the CSN work, what's your favorite work by David okay. Crosby, Stephen Stiltz, or Graham Nash? It's a pretty easy one for me, but I want to hear from you guys first. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's definitely got to be Stills. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. I think, per, I mean, the two coolest guys, for one, left and made their own band, the Stills Young Band. Right. <laughs> right? So what may you run the, the solo, the first solo stills record has like appearances by Clapton and Hendrix. That record's excellent. Um, yeah. Stills did the super sessions album with Bloomfield and Cooper, Mike Bloomfield, now Cooper. Yeah. That, that's, the, that's the Manassas stills record is yeah, excellent. It's kind of a classic. Like yeah. I said, the stills young band record, long may you run. Yeah, it's well, Stephen and Neil had a history too, you know, for sure. Buffalo Springfield yeah. prior mm-hmm. to, so mm-hmm. obviously there's, um, I don't know. I don't know if kindred spirits is, the yeah, there's a creativity but... connection. Yeah. We'll yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 50 years of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, good point. You know, I, I like those first two Stephen stills records quite a bit. And then yeah. Al Cooper, um, Bloomfield, right? Um, Super Session, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I've got that on vinyl. Um, yeah, good choice. You know, I, I always, I always like to see him in the football jersey back then. You know, right? I always, oh, yeah. I always have like that Cleveland Browns jersey on. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, I, that wouldn't be my choice though. Is my favorite. I like those. I like those first two Stills records a lot. Um, but Jonathan, what about you? What's uh... Uh, admittedly, I. I do favor Neil so much to the point that I I don't listen to the other solo stuff uh, mm-hmm. from CSN as much. That being said, a lot to uh, choose from if you're interested. <laughs> you right? Got a, yeah, got about forty albums between the three. So yeah, yeah. and it kind of depends what kind of mood I'm in, and you know if I'm feeling a little bit more lighthearted and 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 optimistic, you know, go with Graham Nash. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you know, I, I, I like, I do really like the crunch that, that David Crosby brings, uh, especially on if, if I could only remember my name, yeah. um, uh, which I think is, I, I think I like it more than Manassas though. It is close. Uh, so from my, uh, more distant perspective, I, I think I would go with Crosby. You got it. Yeah. You, uh, you, you stole mine there. If I could only remember my name is a great record, man. It's a really great record. Um, it's it's much better than anything else he ever did, I think. Um, solo. Yeah, and, I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, 
personally, I just always felt he never added a ton to CSNY or CSN. Like, I don't know. I mean, I just... I almost cut my hair. Well, I mean, I don't know, man. I could have always done without him sometimes. Ah, I don't know about that. I, yeah, I I still like the guy. Um, But I mean, I I really like Stills and, and Young a lot. I never... I wasn't that even into the birds when Crosby was into him, when he was in him. I liked the birds when it was like later. Oh yeah, era the later like Roger McGuinn just basically led era. Gene Parsons, birds. yeah, yeah. Um, I guess Graham was in the birds too for pretty. a while. Yeah, yeah. Ah, I, yeah. I just I don't know something about Crosby always rubbed me the wrong way. I just don't, <laughs> I don't know why. I'm not saying he's not a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's. Sure from what I've heard, from, from what Graham told me. Yeah, but I, I think if I could only remember my name, I mean, I, 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 like, I like it as much as I like some Neil Young records, you know. Not all Neil Young records, but, but some mm-hmm. of them, you know. Yeah, I mean, cowboy song or cowboy movie. Um, yeah, the music is love. The opener. That's well, haunting, man. Yeah, I mean, and granted, like he was on a heavy amount of drugs too <laughs> during that as well. Yeah, uh, hanging out, hanging out with Dennis Hopper all the time or something. But anyway, so yeah, so all right, all right. Um, yeah. Two Crosby's and a Stills. It's a hell of a catalog um, as far as volume between the three of them. I'll give them that. Um, so yeah, well, sayonara guys. Um, you gave, you, you gave us quite a few years. All right. Well, and poor Graham Nash is the one I think like caught in it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, from yeah. an outsider's perspective, it just seems like, you know, I don't know. What's, what's his big solo record? Like the one from like the early seventies. Uh, something like, is it songs to remember or something like that? Something like that. Which is good. It's it's yeah. good. You know, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like those guys like between like, you know, like whenever they broke up, which would have been like what, like 71, 70, 71. Mm-hmm. Oh, Songs for Beginners. Yeah. yeah. Songs for Beginners. Yeah, it's got good. Chicago on it. Yeah. Like, you know, anything, anything those guys were doing like 70 to like 76 is pretty solid just because I like most music made during that time. You know what I mean? So it's all pretty listenable. I mean, what Neil was doing obviously was light years ahead of what they were doing. But, but you know, I I, I can't say as though like I I dislike really any anything those guys did in the seventies. Because you know, for a while it was like like Levi said there was Stills and Young, and then what wasn't there just like Crosby and Nash? Yeah, there was a record. They did a record together. So yeah. another Stony Evening, I think, was one of them, or that was a, maybe there's a live record. I don't the know. one the there's one called Wind on the Water, and yeah. it's it's Graham Nash and David Crosby. I I can listen to all that stuff, you know, like I just just because I like the era so much that there's nothing that really like offends me too much that was made in the seventies when you're involved in those guys too. So, all right, moving on to our next topic. Um, there was an article posted uh, also, I think, in Classic Rock, um, and I'm sure it was, it was you know, broadcast elsewhere. Um, Allison Chains, who, despite not having Lane Staley, is still making some really good music, um, are opening for the reunited Guns N' Roses in Las Vegas. So I don't know if everybody knows this, but before the Coachella shows, 
uh, Guns N' Roses is doing a couple warm-up gigs in Vegas. So they're big warm-up gigs. They're at the arena. Um, But Alice in Chains is going to open up. So that got me thinking about what are some of the best opening acts you've ever seen? And then also, part two of that conversation, what are some of the opening acts that were unexpectedly good because maybe you had never heard them prior to that show so uh jonathan why don't we start with you man what are what are some of the best openers you've ever seen sure there are the uh usual suspects who like you said i knew were good going in right uh you know when petty's had the black crows and the drive-by truckers um uh and uh, Pearl Jam's had, you know, My Morning Jacket, Midlake, Gomez, although I didn't see them with Gomez. Uh, Although I will note that that Pearl Jam's openers have often disappointed. I would agree. I was going to say the same thing. Kind of bland. Uh, Kind of like almost. Black Solo, I'm not really interested in, you know? Yeah. yeah. With all Um, due respect to the Pixies. Yeah. yeah. And granted, I am somebody who's going to, like, see them three times on a tour, so. You know, when I hear the same set from the opener, like Bad Religion in, in 95, it's it's like it's entertaining at one point. But then it's, you know, you get the shtick. It almost feels like a shtick if it's like the same mannerisms. Anyway, yeah. not they to say that they're openers. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they have they, Midlake was a pleasant surprise when they had them open a couple of years ago uh, in Texas. So uh, now that being said. Uh, some of the unexpected openers that blew me blew me away. Justin Towns Earl, I saw open for Wilco, and it was great because it was still light. It was outside. It was at the crossroads, KC here in Kansas City. It was outside, so like the sun was shining. He had like that that uh, white seersucker suit on, you know, and his glasses, and it, it just felt like a Sunday afternoon, you know. And Justin's out there playing uh-huh. this thing, and and that really blew me away. Um, and uh, he converted me right then at that point i just kind of listened on the periphery uh and uh other than that uh you know seeing mike watt open for mud honey granted i was already a fan of mike watt um mm-hmm. so it was more kind of almost like a double bill for me mm-hmm. um, uh and he almost like stole the show with all due respect to mud honey uh apostle of hustle who i saw open for gogo bordello and um, finally, uh, finally, Mara, seeing Mara open for, uh, for Government Mule uh, in, what was that, 98, 2000? It was 99? the Life Before Insanity Tour. 2000. 2000, yep. 2000. okay. Yeah, yeah and one of Woody's last tours. They were on the uh, Kids in Philly Tour. Yeah, yeah, that was that was awesome. Oh, oh yeah, excellent. hell we, yeah. We all were there together, which is crazy. And I, uh, I remember us holding down the dance floor. Yeah, right oh, yeah. in front of the stage, like everybody yeah, we else was back like at the row, bar basically. at Mississippi yeah. Nights getting drinks. Oh, for Mariah, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And we were up there uh, oh, yeah. rocking They were out. awesome. Yeah. I mean, at that time, uh, they're definitely my band that probably blew me away not knowing who they were. Oh, yeah, like, I didn't even heard of them. You know? And, uh, you know, and at that time, you know, I think I went home and got on dial-up <laughs> and yeah. looked them up and uh, was like, oh, wow, like Steve Earle was like kind of affiliated with him, had like produced yeah. that record, taken him like under his wing for a while. And yeah, they were, they were amazing. Kids in Philly is an awesome record. The one after <laughs> it sucked, but then the two they or had three, a spotty discography. The, the two or three after the follow up to Kids in Philly are, are yeah. really solid. You know, yeah. that one that sucks that you're talking about, it's too <laughs> bad too because Springsteen's on that record. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, and I thought that was the one that was going to just like bust him out. So I was like, hell, they got Bruce with him. You can you could clearly hear the Bruce influence, obviously. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah, it kind of sucks when like the record that they 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 have him on kind of yeah, blows. But, yeah, we yeah. we all three give the thumbs up to everybody should go out and buy Kids in Philly or get Absolutely. it on iTunes. I think it's one of the best records of the last twenty years. Oh, it's yeah. excellent. Yeah. And, uh, I was going to talk on some more opening acts, but like the situation that Jonathan mentioned about uh, seeing was a bad religion mm. open for Pearl Jam. It was seeing the Crows open for Petty and the Crows kicked ass each time two weekends in a row. One weekend St. Louis, next week in Chicago is how I think it was or it was reversed. And Tom Petty came out and played like the same set verbatim almost both shows did like the same mannerisms, like the same talking in between the songs was the same. And it was just like, damn, I, I, I lost, I love Tom Petty. I have loads of Tom Petty records in the other room, but I lost just a little bit that day for Tom with, with Tom Petty. Yeah, man, it's punching a fucking time clock, man. And I loved Petty. I love Petty too. I love his band. Oh yeah. You know, it's just like yeah. you have a catalog that rich and you're going to play the exact same tunes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like the same tour. Nothing changed. Nothing. Yeah. yeah, nothing. None of the order. None of the songs. Nothing changed. Yeah. One of the uh, other excellent shows was I saw, and I mean I thought they would probably be good, but was uh, Stone Temple Pilots open for Aerosmith one of the times hmm. I saw. Them. No shit. And it was, was that? excellent. I got the ticket in the other room. I'd have to go look. Um. Well, Early two thousands, late nineties. It's it's in there somewhere. Um, Probably late nineties. I, I yeah. went to like seven or eight Aerosmith shows because I had a friend who was in the Air Force One fan club, and uh, we would always get like front row tickets because he would he would be like, "Hey, you want to go to Aerosmith? I'll buy the tickets. You know, just pay for your ticket, but I'll get you front <laughs> Too row." Too bad you couldn't have cho- chosen Aerosmith <laughs> set list, so. <laughs> dude. I will say though, every time I saw Aerosmith, they put on a good show. I bet. And I mean, granted, you know, the last couple of the shows I went to, I had to hear their new song at the time, which was I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. <laughs> that had came out, but, you know, they would follow it up with like Last Child or they, you know what I mean? They would always, always, it would be like 80% old back. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I regret not seeing them. You know, like the oh, yeah. times I've had the chance, like when they did like Toys in the Attic's entirety a few years ago, it, like I regret not going. To yeah, it. each show was like an event. It was like, you know, it was back how I guess concerts I can imagine in my head how they might have been with like Zeppelin in the 70s or whatever. Yeah. You know, they kind of touch on it a little bit in like Wayne's World. <laughs> it was like that, like backstage, you know, there was just everywhere out in the crowd was just like all these older ladies that looked like, you know, they were from like the 1990 issues of Playboy. And <laughs> yeah. just like, it was just like, it was a huge <laughs> event to go to an era. Everybody's station. calling off work the next day. Oh right? yeah. It was, <laughs> it was, it was like an, an Aerosmith show was like a giant rock event. We went down to Riverport to Aerosmith for a fucking party. All right. Right? All it, it was. <laughs> they were. And I will say they, had kind of a Pearl Jam issue where sometimes their openers would not be good at all. Um, the time I saw them with Monster Magnet opening, it was not good at all. Oh, Monster Magnet. I don't like Monster Magnet, yeah. too. I, I don't know if it was just... 
like the PA system. Yeah, it was like a weird pairing. Yeah, the it is. PA, the PA sounded awful for them. Like it just was like really harsh and yeah. You could tell most of the older crowd cuz you know, I was in my late teens, early 20s and most of the crowd is like 40 and 50-year-olds who were there to get drunk in Sierra Smith. They're like, "Who the hell are these monster bands?" Can be a hard crowd to please. If yeah. It's not. yeah. Aerosmith yeah. on stage. Yeah. But I will yeah. say, the STP time opening, STP knocked it out of the park, man. I bet. And uh, I was one other one, but was kind of more of a low-key show, but was an excellent opener. I'm not sure you might have been there, Gabe. It was when Sunvolt opened for John Mellencamp. Yeah, I went to that. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. good. Yeah. Unexpected. It was late 90s, early 2000s, somewhere back I think It was like 99, I think. Yeah. Like right before they broke up. Like the original Sunbolt yeah. line mm-hmm. broke yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was good. That's um, a good pairing. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a really, whoever planned that tour did a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, for me, for established acts, um, we already mentioned them in the in the introduction to this segment. I got to see Allison Chains with Lane Staley open for Kiss. That's, That's awesome. the best opening act I've ever oh, seen. Yeah. Ever. That's like like and I'm not one for like declaratives, you know what I mean? But this is uh. that was the best opening band I've ever seen. I mean, I knew going in, I was so stoked because it's like I mean, this is Kiss's reunion tour. It's only like the third show in. And like rarely do like like I mean, I was seventeen. Like I'm like, holy shit. Like I've got the hottest ticket in the country, like in my hand right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and not only that, like Kiss back with the makeup <laughs> on. But Allison Chains oh, is yeah. opening up as oh, well. Yeah. It might as well have been Van Halen with David Lee Roth, Dude, right? It was the <laughs> shit. It was it was like chains ripped. Like I mean, granted, I'm so drawn to Jar of Flies. They didn't play any of that. Like it was, it was just rippers. You know, that's it. Nice. Like just rippers. Um, they opened up with again, and I don't know, you can find the set list. But um, and just you know, the crowd was into it as well. You know, like just they just. Yeah, it was it was great, man. Um, and you know, obviously they're big Kiss fans as well, so they were pretty stoked to be opening for a reunited Kiss, you know. Um, so that was that was up there for the. Yeah, that's probably the best one I've ever caught yeah. uh, for an established band. Uh, another good one I'll, I'll give as a runner up is I saw Wilco at Madison Square Garden on New Year's Eve in '04, and the opening acts were Sleater Kenny and the Flaming Lips. Oh wow! So, oh yeah, good. that was that was really good, and they all. Yeah. You know, yeah. Everybody came out and played with Wilco too. You know, That's like awesome. sure. sat in. Yeah, so that was great. Uh, actually, they all did War Pigs, which ripped. <laughs> yeah, <Nice. laughs> with yeah. Um, so that that that's probably in a second place, at least the ones that off the top of my head. Um, and then as Levi and Jonathan had already mentioned, C and Mara open for Government Mule. I think I saw like three shows within like a week, week and a half. Um, of the mule. That was a big mule kick. Um, they were great. And then, um, I saw mud honey about 10 years ago in Chicago. And, uh, they had a band open up for them called the cynics who I'd never heard of. Mm -hmm. Um, but I go home and I look them up and they're, you know, they're a veteran kind of punk, but they kind of have like a garage rock sound to them as well. Kind of a psychedelic, um, you know, sound, but kind of more like in the vein of like the zombies or something like that. And, um, they were really good. You know, they, um, they, I I hadn't heard of them from Pittsburgh. 
Um, they've you know they've been around since like the the mid '80s, and uh, yeah, really good stuff. And then uh, most recently, you know, this is kind of nice too. I like that feeling when you've never heard of the band and you go there and they're awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I saw the Cult about two years ago, and there's a band from Cincinnati uh, called Electric Citizen, who I've talked about on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, female vocalist, uh, definitely like a kind of like a heart meets Black Sabbath sound, and they were really good. And I've I've really dig their album that came out I think I think two years ago. I think that they were touring behind that, so uh, that was a really pleasant surprise. And I've been into them ever since. So, so yeah, those were unexpected uh, opener yeah. opening gems right there. You mentioned yeah. Black Sabbath. I totally forgot. I got to see Pantera open for. Black oh Sabbath. shit! Yeah. <laughs> that was an excellent show. Crazy okay. show, absolutely oh, yeah. insane. Yeah, uh, nice. nice. Yeah. Well, good deal. We've we've covered some ground, guys. Us, the three of us, when it comes to shows, we've been to a few. We have, we have. Um, so now I want to go into the last part. Um, we're going to talk about baseball here. Um, the free agent tracker. We're just going to kind of go through some of the highlights here because you may have forgotten who landed where. Um, you know, kind of like. I'm going to chunk it this way. Like, like if you were to formulate a starting rotation of pitchers that were free agents this offseason, obviously you have David Price as your number one. Uh, maybe not that, obviously. I mean, I, I don't know. Zach Grinke or David Price as your number one. Um, yeah, I, Grinke, I would go number one in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got Price, Grinke, Johnny Cueto goes to um, – San Francisco, Jordan Zimmerman to the Dodgers. Or, I'm sorry, not the Dodgers. What am I thinking here? Detroit, excuse Detroit, me. Detroit, yeah. Sorry, he went to the Tigers. And then, um, God, for other starting pitchers, I guess Samarja. You know, I mean, obviously he needs a bounce back here, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, he would be on yeah. He's still, he, <laughs> despite having a, a, a bad year with the White Sox, the dude still got paid. Five years, so, ninety million by the Giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you had to come off the worst season of your career and still get that yeah. payday. Yes. <laughs> Learn how to pitch, kids. That's if anybody young is younger for people are listening to this show. Especially if you're left-handed. Especially if you're left-handed. Learn how to pitch. Yeah. So that's kind of your rotation. Right? So yeah, price to the Red Sox, Grinky, Grinky to Arizona to the backs. Yeah, um, which I don't think anyone saw that one coming. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, Cueto to the Giants, Zimmerman to the Tigers, and Samarja also to the Giants. And then around the diamond, um, you know, Jason Hayward for the Cubs, the biggest offs. Uh, the, probably, Lackey. Yeah, yeah, the Hayward's Lackey. bigger. Yeah, Lackey. Lackey, you know, is maybe your sixth starter there. Uh, and then you've got um, Hayward, uh, you know, in the outfield. Other outfielders, Alex Gordon returns to Kansas City. Justin Upton, um, who took a little while to sign, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, it's a big deal, though. Yeah, he it's a big deal. Yeah, he's on the Tigers. Yeah. So Going Detroit, from the Padres, to the, as the Padres dismantle. Yeah. And then over at first base, you've got um, Chris Davis re-signed to Baltimore. So probably, probably the guy right now in baseball that's the capable of, I would say, probably putting out the, the highest home run total. I would yeah. say is Chris Davis. Yeah. Like he's probably the only baseball player right now who could hit 50 homers. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what Schwarber thinks of that. 
Maybe, maybe. But I'm saying like right now. Oh, yeah. Like, I agree. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't really like think about him that much just because I, I even though he's a 50 home run guy, he's kind of a still sort of a quiet 50 home run guy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't I'm, I'm not doing the best job of articulating it there. But for some reason, I don't pay that much attention to him in Baltimore. Um, and but yeah, I mean, he's you know, he's he's a power hitter. Um, he did get popped. Right. He did get popped. Yeah, he did. Um, and then, so second base, um, we've got Zobrist, uh, assuming he's going to play second for the Cubs. 35-year-old yeah. Zobrist. Right. And for third baseman, um, it's not a free agent signing, but probably for trades. You know, the White Sox landed Todd Frazier in a three-team deal between the Dodgers, the Reds, and the White Sox. Um so yeah, Frazier, I would say at third, probably the biggest name to move. And then in the outfield, I'd already mentioned Hayward, but um, in recent days you've got Jonas Cespedes as well in the outfield. And who bought a pig this past who week? Who bought a pig? I, I like this guy more and more every day. I really <laughs> he do. He spent $7,000 on the pig? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. I like this guy. I do. Yeah. Okay, so that was a quick free agent recap for the offseason of 2015. We're excited to head into 2016 with a lot of big names being moved, including Dexter Fowler um, at the very last minute there. So that certainly was probably one of the more exciting moments of this offseason. Anyway, you can find out more about us. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rock in Chew. That's in as in Graham Nash. All right, who we discussed earlier this evening. So that's Rock Inchu on Twitter and Instagram. You can also like our Facebook page, as well as anything that you want to know about Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, including previous episodes, album recommendations, uh, different references that we've made during the show. You can all find that on rockchu.com for all your baseball and music needs. Until next time, we will see everybody later. Have a good night. Peace. Peace.